coming to you entirely pre-recorded from the Garage of Solitude in Whitestone, Queens. This is Mario Francisco Robles, MFR here with you, and this is going to be an old school edition of the Fanboy Podcast, because this week I do not have my co-host with me. Brett is currently in the Bahamas with his wonderful fiance Jesse, and they're having an awesome time out there. So while he's out there enjoying tropical paradise, I'm down here holding down the fort for the Fanboy Podcast. And I'm not just doing that this week. Earlier this week, on Monday at 1.11 p.m., I became a father for the third time. I welcomed into the world Delilah Estela Robles, my second daughter. So now I've got two girls, one boy, and I think we're officially closing up shop after this. Then again, we said that after the second one. And uh, you know what? It's an amazing feeling to be a father again. Because my first two are now 10 and 7. And a lot has happened in the last seven years in my life. And something I'm just very much looking forward to is bringing these last seven years of growth and maturity with me. I feel like in these last seven or so years, I've really grown up a lot as a person. I've, I've started to figure out the mysteries of what this thing called life is all about, I feel. And I'm much more like at peace and, and comfortable in my own skin. I have a greater sense for who I am and what I can offer and what the meaning of all this is. And to be able to now be a father again with this newborn, with this new sense of like maturity and accomplishment in me, I just can't wait to, to raise a child with, uh, with the me that I am today and grow with them into the me I'm going to be tomorrow. I'm just very excited. This has been an unbelievable week. I'm recording this on Thursday night, and I'm happy to share that I am not bleary-eyed tired, because just like my first daughter, uh, we've got an easy baby. You know, she cries when something's wrong, you fix the thing that's wrong, and she's just mellow. And she's either sleeping or smiling or making adorable little noises. So we have not had those uh, legendary, infamous, sleepless nights that you always hear about with young parents. That's how I'm able to record this podcast with you tonight, because it is not chaos upstairs. So I get to sneak down into the garage of solitude and talk some geek with you. And look, before I get full on into the geeky mayhem that will be episode 146 of The Fanboy, uh, I also need to extend a big old thank you on behalf of Brett and I. We need to thank Mr. Chris Roach. Chris is a longtime listener of The Fanboy Podcast, and he gave us a really, really neat opportunity last Saturday to join him at his place of business. Because you see, Chris is a tour manager, and he's currently touring Kip Moore right now. He's tour managering Kip Moore. And uh, the New York leg of the tour was this past Saturday, and Chris invited Brett and I over. We got to hang out with him, meet him, have some drinks before the show, see the show, and then go hang out in a speakeasy hidden behind a fake wall with the band afterward and we got to talk geeky we talked about the batman and we talked about superman and we talked about spider-man no way home with kip moore's drummer and lead guitarist it was a great time all while drinking really nice you know uh high-end cocktails and just feeling like 
we were we got to be tourists in a world that we are not typically a part of so chris thank you for thank you so much for giving brett and i that opportunity that was an amazing night out and uh really it really meant a lot it really meant a lot but all right so without further ado i think it is time to get to the reason for this episode's very existence because usually in the last 10 or so episodes, it's almost become a running gag that when I get to the Superman on film update portion of things, I usually have a big old goose egg to share. There's usually not much to talk about. And this week, there is an exception. It will be an exception to the rule because there were a number of large Superman on film rumors that I kind of did some digging into this week. And some of the answers I got were really, really interesting. So let's get into it so for your superman on film update this week let's start with this rumor that hit the twitter uh, a couple days ago you see a twitter user by the name of the moonlight warrior uh who has since left twitter and i don't think it's because of this by the way it, it sounds like something uh, went amazingly well for him he was talking about a great career opportunity that hit him and he's moving to la uh, the my hunch seems to be that he's gotten hired to be some kind of entertainment writer because he's been doing it on social media for a while and right before he signed off for what would seem to be the last time he kind of thanked everyone and said hey keep pursuing your dreams so uh anyway the moonlight warrior it's funny we had a long dm uh chain running for a while they're just kind of comparing notes on rumors because he seemed to be someone who was fairly close to those like scoop circles where you hear things uh, ahead of the general public. You hear what the word on the street is. And that's a world that I kind of stepped out of a couple of years ago, but he has very much stayed in it. And that is why I was very intrigued by something he tweeted out. He, he put something out into the world about the Ta-Nehisi Coates script. Remember, last week I reported that it was going to be turned in soon. That was the latest, as per Jeff Snyder. Uh, the Ta-Nehisi Coates script had not been scrapped or forgotten. No, it's actually on the verge of being turned in. That was a week ago. Now this week comes this rumor that the Coates script that is supposedly going to be produced by Mr. J.J. Abrams was actually written in such a way that it could include Henry Cavill's Superman. That there's something about it that would leave a sort of back door open to where if the director who steps in were to decide they wanted to use Henry, they would have the ability to, the ability to do so. And this got my mind racing because if that were true, that means a number of things. For starters, it means that this is not a black Superman sort of Elseworld tale story that we keep hearing about that the Ta-Nehisi Coates J.J. Abrams Superman reboot is going to be about a black Superman, if not a black Clark Kent, potentially a completely original, oh, original? original new Superman story with a character that we're not familiar with, not Calvin Ellis, not Val Zod, but an original black Superman. So that's been the rumor that's long followed this, but if this can be a Henry Cavill vehicle, then either race is really not important to the script or it's not going to be that black Superman rumor that we've been hearing all this time. And I remember joking about it with Brett last week about how, how sad would it be if we found out 
that that rumor only existed because Ta-Nehisi Coates was hired and people decided, oh, well, if it's a black writer, it's going to have to be a black Superman story. You know, I, I don't know if that's going to be the case, but we were laughing about it last week. Imagine after all this, he turns in a perfectly traditional old school Clark Kent Superman story. And all of that was just basically racial profiling, you know, so that was what we were talking about last week. But to hear this rumor this week. It started making me feel like, whoa, maybe we were right. Maybe he really isn't. That whole black Superman thing was just a red herring. It was just something some journalist, a hunch a journalist had that now everyone ran with. Um, so it got me interested in that. And on top of that, another reason that it perked my ear up is, remember, I was recently talking about it would be really neat to have a Superman movie that doesn't have an origin story, that we're going to kind of just start the story in motion. And if it's true that Henry could be used, that must mean that this story that Ta-Nehisi Coates has written doesn't include an origin, because we've already seen the Henry Cavill Superman origin. So that's why I really had to do some digging into this rumor. And folks, if you put any stock into that rumor, it looks like Mr. Moonlight Warrior, I hate to say it, might have been off. The feedback that I got when I started kind of moving up the chain, asking other people in that scoop world, including someone who works over at Warner Brothers and, and sometimes, uh, you know, it throws interesting whispers my way and kind of uh, points me in the direction of where I need to be hunting. They said, well, here's what I heard. The Ta-Nehisi Coates script, get this will be a period piece set in the 1960s and it will be a black superman elseworld tale that's what i heard and again this is all this is all rumor mill so take everything i'm talking about with you on this episode with a grain of salt but somebody who i trust when i went to go sort of cross reference this rumor about henry cavill potentially being able to star in the coats superman they said absolutely not they said that this is going to be set over 50 years before man of steel came out and it will be a black superman story and it will be set in the 1960s now that took me that threw me for another loop because now i start thinking about what a story set in that decade could be like, especially with someone like Ta-Nehisi Coates writing it, someone who is sort of politically minded and may seem to want to make some sort of interesting statement about Superman, about America, about lots of different things. Because the 60s, you know, what was one of the major aspects that made the 60s a notable time to be an American citizen? The 1960s was at the height of the civil rights sort of, you know, uh, war that was basically spilling out into the streets. This is the era of Malcolm X and, and Martin Luther King. This is the era where John F. Kennedy was assassinated and Bobby Kennedy was assassinated. There was a lot of incredibly surreal and tough times that America was facing in the 1960s. And if, if it's true that Coates and Abrams are pursuing an Elseworld tale about a black Superman in the 1960s, you know, it's easy to see that there would be some very interesting socio-political things to riff on with this story and to tell a, a moral Superman story where 
you have a black Superman where there's going to be people in America who do not accept him and who maybe won't would reject would, would reject being saved by him because of the color of his skin. You know, it's it's I feel like it is an interesting era to set a Superman story in, especially if you're going to make him a Superman that appears to be African-American. So that is the big rumor that I got bounced back at me when I asked about the Henry Cavill situation. So chew on that for a second. Let's see if that comes to fruition. And please, I want to know what you guys think about potentially a 1960s set Elseworld Superman tale centered on a black Superman. Now, when I think on this too, I feel like yeah, there's a part of me that's mad at it because I would love to just have a traditional Clark Kent Superman story set in the present day, you know, that would just be the new mainline story. This sounds kind of like, a, you know, like it could be an interesting way to pursue the mythology, but it feels like it's definitely going to exist all on its own. But at the same time, I think about that and I'm like, well, maybe that's the very reason that we should embrace it. What if this isn't meant to be the start of a series of movies? What if instead of that, it's meant to just be one interesting standalone story a la Todd Phillips' Joker movie? Remember, that was also a period piece. And that also kind of had its own thing. The Todd Phillips movie was trying to tackle stuff about mental health and how we treat people who have mental illness and how we treat sort of, we, we turn people into outcasts and then get shocked when they fight back, you know, and, and you, oh yeah, you think I'm a monster? Well, now here's the monster that you think I am. You know, Todd Phillips Joker, it had some high-minded concepts. It had some interesting things that it wanted to explore thematically speaking. So if we think of this Coach Superman movie as similar to the Joker, like a one-and-done, black-label-style Elseworld tale about here is this one Superman story about what if he had been a black man in the 60s, then maybe that could really be an interesting route to take. And when you think about that article from last week that we broke down in great detail from Variety about how the new owners look at Joker as a shining example of what can be done, you know, I could see sort of how that might work, except one thing, okay? This Coates script was approved by the previous owners. This Coates script, this direction by J.J. Abrams, this was all approved by Toby Emmerich and Walter Hamada a year and a half ago. And this is in the era when Ann Sarnoff was still in the mix. And guys like Jason Kalar were making big names for themselves in HBO Max. And it seemed like this was the new guard for DC Entertainment, for DC Films, for the DC on-film world. But a lot has changed since February of last year when Coates was given this assignment. As we know, Discovery is stepping in and David Zaslav, one of his very first priorities was to go, where's Superman? Superman has been left to languish. He is a top shelf character and he's been left to languish and is in need of revitalization. So when you keep that in mind, is Discovery going to want to tell an Elseworld tale about a black Superman in the 60s? 
You know, are they going to view this as an opportunity to do another Joker style on its own island DC story? Or are they going to go, listen, that's a very interesting idea. Let's let's keep that script on the shelf for now. For for the time being, we need to prioritize relaunching just the traditional recognizable international symbol Superman. Because right now, we, we've been having trouble getting that right. How are we going to now launch a twist, a spin on Superman, when we don't have a proper Superman to show off to the world right now? You know, so there's a lot of things to consider here. And honestly, it makes any rumor that we hear about Superman kind of suspect at this time. Not because we can't trust it, but because it can change. You know, if corporate mergers have taught me anything over the years of finding, you know, seeing different mergers take place over the over properties and over things that I love, is the new bosses can be cutthroat. The new bosses can step in and totally just decide, you know what, all these plans are what the last people wanted to do, but now we're in charge and we're going to set the course. So this is what's happening next. You know, so as... As we now start getting rumors about this Coates script, as we start hearing anything about previous you know, DC films that have been in the mix, these you know, been in some stage of production these last couple of years, we have to take everything with a grain of salt, or at least just some pause and some caution, as we realize there's a new sheriff in town. It's Warner Brothers Discovery now. It's not Warner Media anymore. It's Warner Brothers Discovery. And this new boss could look at all of these different ideas that are floating around and just go, screw it. We're going to nuke all those ideas. We're, get, we're bringing in fresh creatives and we're starting from scratch, you know? So that's what makes discussing all of this you know, a little bit tough at this time, but that's what we're here to do, right? We're here to talk about the rumors. I'm here to share with you how I feel about them, and it's going to be fun to see how things play out in the months and years ahead, as presumably we're going to get a Superman movie in production soon. And the interesting thing now about Henry Cavill is right now he still remains up in the air, but when I ask about him, it's interesting. When I ask about him, it's, it's been pointed out to me that it is extremely notable that he's still the Superman that gets trotted out on anything having to do with the DCEU right now. On all official stuff for HBO Max, for Warner Brothers Discovery, for, on all of their official sort of branding having to do with DC, when they show Superman, it's still Henry Superman. And remember that thing that happened a couple months back now with Peacemaker, where the people at, at DC cut a couple of those cameos where they said, we don't want to have the Ben Affleck Batman in there. We do not want to have uh, the Ray Fisher Cyborg in there. And I, I, I theorize it's because they know that the, you know, they're not moving forward with those versions of those characters. You know, we're about to watch the Ben Affleck Batman kind of get written out in, you know, and again, not written out in a way that he can never be approached again, but essentially written out of the main timeline and replaced by the Michael Keaton Batman. So it makes sense then to cut out the Ben Affleck Batman from Peacemaker. It also makes sense to cut out the Ray Fisher Cyborg because now, you know, because of that 
that line in the sand that he drew with Walter Hamada, now he isn't going to be in the flesh. But they did very much leave an obvious representation of the Henry Cavill Superman in Peacemaker in a scene that didn't need him. There were no lines. There was no close-up on him. They literally could have just included Aquaman and the Flash in that sequence because they actually had Jason Momoa and Ezra Miller on set. But they allowed James Gunn to include the Henry Cavill Superman and the Gal Gadot outline, you know, the Gal Gadot silhouette of Wonder Woman. So I've been told to just kind of pay attention to that and to kind of just keep in mind that for now, until he's replaced, until there's some sort of official announcement made, Henry Cavill is still Superman. Until they say otherwise, until they announce it, until well, yeah, whatever happens, happens. And the people who work at the studio who have to put together the branding and the visuals and everything for these products, for these projects, they all un they're all doing so under the understanding that we're allowed to use Henry Cavill's Superman. He's still the Superman for DC on film. So I think this still leaves us in the same spot that we've been in for ages now, which is if we are likely to see Henry Cavill again, it won't be in that Coates movie, and it probably won't be in a solo movie, but it'll be in any kind of DC crossover shared universe event. Something like the Black Adam movies, something like Shazam. Maybe they work out a way to put him into the Flash as it doesn't seem like he's in it right now. That's the one thing that Warner Brothers Discovery could move the needle on. They could walk in and decide, you know what? We have a functioning Superman, so why is he not in the Flash? Why are we making this Flash movie that seems to erase him from the timeline? They could say, hey, listen, this movie doesn't come out for 16 months. Can we remove the stuff that deletes him from the timeline and maybe even add a scene now between him and Supergirl at the end so people understand that there is a Superman out there? Or they could come in and just go, okay, good. You've, you've retconned the previous version out. So now we want to start fresh with a brand new Clark Kent in this new rejiggered timeline that, that's going to exist after The Flash. All these options are still up in the air, but Warner Brothers Discovery, they could put their finger on the scales if their internal research finds that fans love Henry Cavill and they want to see him get another shot. The new bosses could very much decide, hey, Andy Muschietti, we need you to tweak the Flash so that this Superman still exists. These are the kinds of things that Henry Cavill Superman fans have to hope for. And I have some more questions coming up later on in this episode about Henry Cavill Superman that were sent over when I solicited questions on the Twitter. So we'll be talking about this a little bit more a little later on. But everything that I've just discussed in these last 19 minutes, that is your Superman on film update for this week. And now, since I did touch on The Flash, there's been an unfortunate update on that end. And it's that Ezra Miller has gone and gotten themselves arrested again in Hawaii. I don't know what's going on with Miller. But honestly... To me, it just seems like someone who's spiraling out of control. 
So my heart just goes straight to concern and sympathy because this number of incidents in this rapid a succession, this is not a good sign. This is someone who's going through something and I this could get much worse. Because usually most of these people have handlers. Most of these people, after you get into one whiff of trouble and they whisk you away and take you somewhere and they keep you under a low profile so that your career doesn't get too damaged while you figure out what the hell's going on with you. Nine times out of ten, that's what happens. But the thing that I'm getting from these several weeks where there's now, I think there's been like three arrests or something like that. Or maybe it's been two arrests since the Oscars, but you combine that with what happened two years ago where he put his hands on that woman and like choked her on video. And it's like, it gives me the sense that he is completely out of control. He's on his own. There is not a team protecting him. There isn't someone out there, or at least there, maybe there's people trying, but he, uh, as part of this spiral, has turned his back on anyone who's going to help him right now. Because you don't get into this level of trouble. This I say level of trouble? Listen, it's been a long night. Maybe I am a little tired from the babies. Uh, but from the baby. Okay. Um, <laughs> but you don't get into this level of trouble without something being majorly wrong and without there being loved ones or professional help around trying to pump the brakes and stop you and get you to straighten up. And here we are once again with this Flash movie where people are wondering, should they recast him? Should they move the Flash to HBO Max and, and make it like a straight to streaming thing? There seems to be a lot of fans who seem to think that would be a wise thing to do. But honestly, I think that is kind of ridiculous. I don't think there's any way that a movie like The Flash with the Michael Keaton Batman in it and all the other multiverse stuff and everything, th this movie is going to be the centerpiece of DC on film. The, the way that this thing has been shot and written and prepared, this is basically what turns the corner for the entire DC on film universe and allows them to go where they want to go. So this idea that now it would get shifted to HBO Max, to me, it just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And I don't think there's any chance in hell that they're putting the flash on HBO Max as this is just how you see it now. It's going to be like, you know, Zack Snyder's Justice League or Batgirl or like that Gotham spinoff or Peacemaker. You know, it's just something it's, it's slightly less priority. It's something that happens on TV, whereas there's something different happening on the big screen. No, The Flash will definitely be going to theaters. The question is, is it going to stay as it was? Is it the film that Andy Muschietti wrapped a few months back? That is the big question, and I have a feeling that changes are coming. I don't know what those changes are going to be. I don't know what will be added. I don't know what will be deleted. But I have a feeling Andy Muschietti is going to be getting a call, and he's going to be given some new uh, studio notes on uh, certain things that need to be tweaked for that film. And I know we get nervous about that. I know we get nervous about that because of what happened a few years back with what you know with the way the studio put their hands all over Zack Snyder's Batman versus Superman and Justice League they put their hands all over David Ayer's Suicide Squad and seemingly everything they touched 
suffered from it. Things got only worse. And that was something I wanted to bring up from last week. I meant to mention it. But something I tweeted last week that I just want to just expand on here is I don't, I'm not convinced that the last overhaul was worth it. I think what they needed was better messaging when all was said and done. I think if the world knew that this was going to be a five part story and it's its own unique Elseworld tale that doesn't bleed into anything else and is its own, you know, unique animal. People might have given Zack Snyder's Justice League a little more leeway. They might have been more into Batman versus Superman if they didn't get a mangled cut of it. And if they just saw the three hour version with the full knowledge that this is all, this is just part two of a five part story. And this may not be exactly how I envision these characters, but it's pretty cool for what it is. You know, I know I definitely would have walked into all the, the entire Zack Snyder run of DC on film very differently if I knew that this was just a beginning, middle, and end story and that this is basically like a miniseries that we're watching. But instead, you know, they announced Zack Snyder's movies and then a million other movies around them. And it gave fans everywhere the impression that this was just going to be DC's answer to the MCU. That we're also going to have our huge interconnected DC universe with 15 or 20 films that are all based on, you know, it's built, set in this same world. And there will be Justice League crossovers every few years and blah, blah, blah. I feel like that is why people were extra salty at BVS and and where he was going with Justice League. Because it's like, well, we don't want to spend the next 15, 20 years looking at these versions of these characters. These are not the version, for a lot of people, it was like, these are not the versions that we grew up on. This is not the, the these are, aren't the stories that we're dying to see. But I still just have this hunch that if people had just known that this was going to be a five-part story that had its own sort of epic arc that was going to conclude, and then from there, we can move on, I think everything might have worked out a lot better. Because look at the timeline of things. Look at the timeline of things. Batman versus Superman would have arrived just as it did in March of 2016. Justice League Part 1 would have arrived in November of 2017. And then over the course of the next few years, you would have the stories that these guys apparently originally wanted to tell. Because even though Zack Snyder had his five-part arc, apparently Ben Affleck was going to do something that kind of riffed off that, that worked within that, with his Deathstroke movie. So you would have had Justice League Part 1, you would have had the Batfleck movie, you would have had a Flashpoint movie, you would have had Aquaman. You would have had Justice League 2. You would have had the Cyborg movie. Then you would have had Justice League 3. And honestly, we would be up to 2021, 2022 about now. To where you could schedule it. So now the Flashpoint movie could be the last of the arc, let's say. Because that's what the... Yeah, and then and from the Flashpoint movie now, you can recalibrate from Zack Snyder's Justice League and now tell a different set of stories. So really, in these last five years, we could have let the whole Zack Snyder thing run its course 
and now be just in time for the Flash to reboot things in 2023. You know, like, so it just makes me wonder, like, all of this overhaul and all of this, like, pushing DC on film into, into like, a sort of limbo where the messaging has gotten very sort of scattershot and all the movies are kind of unrelated and the reputation, the reputation of the brand is still kind of finding its way again. I still feel like not even the Batman was able to bring DC fully back. I still feel like DC's rep amongst all of popular culture is not going to be fully where it needs to be until we see Black Adam, Sh Shazam 2, and The Flash. I think those three, especially The Flash, are going to be the things that really finally may help the entire DC on film universe move forward from these last few years, you know? Um, so yeah, I just I, I wanted to comment on that because I had started delving in that direction last week and I'd forgotten to mention that because that's something that came up in the Variety article. This idea that we need a better sense of messaging so that it doesn't seem like everything is so scattershot. And I feel like, yeah, that, that, that's been a problem for a very long time, that lack of messaging. And who knows, maybe with better messaging and a more coherent plan, we would be right now gearing up for Zack Snyder's Justice League 3 to be arriving in theaters this November, and then Ezra Miller's Flashpoint movie arriving in June of 2023 to now move on to the next thing. Instead of all of this weird herky-jerky studio messing with everything and DC on film in general just looking rather stupid for the last few years. I mean, listen, I, I, I shouldn't say that because we have had the, you know, the, the, the nice moderate renaissance since 2018 with Aquaman, Shazam, Birds of Prey, The Suicide Squad, Joker. Listen, I know that there's been a nice little run of films, but I can't help but feel like things would have... We, we'd be farther along had we just stuck to the plan that had been approved upon in 2015. This is this just sort of my devil's advocate look at, thing, look at things today, especially since that Flashpoint movie still hasn't come out yet. You know, the, the timing of everything still works out that we could have gotten all five of those movies and Ben Affleck's Batman movie and now be ready to move on. And you do the Flashpoint movie, and then Matt Reeves jumps off from there and, and tells his Batman story. And everyone kind of goes in their own unique directions after Zack Snyder's Justice League, you know? So that's just something I, uh, I thought was interesting that I, I wanted to just share with you all. Because, uh, listen, I've been talking about this stuff for so many years, and my opinions on it have shifted and evolved. And where I'm at today is that they should have just let well enough alone released the ultimate edition of BVS in March of 2016. Let it be known that this is leading towards a conclusion that this is a story that's going to be done in the next few years. It's leading to this epic Zack Snyder's Justice League with the invasion of Darkseid and injustice and all of, you know, th there was a way that they could have prepped audiences for where Zack was going. Instead, they didn't. And general audiences looked at Zach's vision and said, we don't, we, we don't want this to be what the Justice League is. And it got them into a lot of trouble. Trouble that they're still trying to clean up to this day. But circling it all back now to this Flash movie, you know, 
with Ezra Miller, they have options now. They have creative options because of the multiverse angle. They can recast him and they could do it in a way that actually makes sense in the story. So I do think that that would be a possibility. And in general, what I think is more likely is that the new ownership is going to look at whatever the first cut of the Flash is and whatever things that they're not pleased with, they're going to ask him to go ahead and reshoot and change some stuff. And considering this film is supposed to reset the timeline and sort of set chart the course and set the tone for what DC on film is going to be for the next several years to come. I think they're, you know, I think they're well within their rights to come in and go, listen, the previous owners approved of this script, but this is not how we want to position the DC universe. We want Superman. We want X, Y, or Z. Uh, we want the the Snyderverse stuff that's alluded to in this film to very easily be able to be handled on HBO Max in miniseries form. So please leave that door more than open. You know, Warner Brothers Discovery can absolutely come in and kind of throw their weight around. So that's what's going to be very interesting to see. And um, good luck to Ezra Miller. I really, you know, th this spiral has me concerned. None of this stuff happens by accident. This person is not doing well. And I hope they start taking some advice. And I hope that they get control of what's going on with them before this story ends in some kind of tragedy. Because that's really where my mind goes. If all this stuff is happening and this person really is kind of out of control, then this story could end way worse than just Ezra Miller doing some crappy things in public and getting arrested for it. So here's hoping that they really, you know, get their hands back on the wheel of this thing and steer themselves in the right direction. But all right, earlier tonight I solicited questions over on the Twitter and you all delivered. So I got a bunch of really cool questions. So let's go ahead and dive into the questions for this week. Uh, Mr. Jeff Dyer over on the Twitter said, uh, Man of Steel was 2013, almost 10 years ago. By the time we get another Superman movie, it will be at least 2023, more likely 2024 or 2025. Is it too late for Cavill or are we more likely getting a new actor? So, Jeff, this is one of the things that was on my mind when I was doing the Superman on film update that I almost kind of jumped into. So here it is as an answer to your question. I think that there was a window of time where they could have made a Man of Tomorrow directly after Justice League. And I think it would have worked amazingly to sort of relaunch and reboot, soft reboot the character, much the way that Aquaman did for Aquaman. Because remember, as much as people had found Batman versus Superman polarizing, and as much as they just flat out didn't care about the 2017 Justice League, they showed up in droves for James Wan's Aquaman in 2018 to the tune of over a billion dollars. So that showed right then and there that there was an audience for these characters. If you could just put them in the right story and shine the right light on them, these characters still had something to them that the, the, the general public had not completely thrown out the baby with the bathwater. 
that even though they didn't care about the previous films leading up to it, Aquaman looked so damn good to them and like such a different sort of breath of fresh air and a change of pace that they made it the biggest hit for DC since The Dark Knight Rises had come out. So that right there showed that like, if you approach the character right, even if they didn't give a damn about Justice League or Batman versus Superman, or even if they thought those were bad movies, they still gave Aquaman a chance. So that, and same thing with, you know, Wonder Woman somehow came through all of that unscathed. Well, not somehow. She had that great movie that came out a few months before Justice League. But still, she was able to sort of avoid whatever sort of stink had arrived on these characters in the previous years. So there was definitely a belief and an opportunity at that time to follow through and give Superman a proper, you know, give the Henry Cavill Superman a proper sequel where he would have his own sort of Aquaman moment. Where now with a new director and a new creative bit of energy, you know, cr creatively revitalized, they Henry could have continued on from the 2017 Justice League. But the problem is when that movie only opened to like $93 million dollars, that screwed that whole thing up. That screwed that whole thing up. Because there was really some thought coming out of the theatrical cut that the version of Superman that appeared in the theatrical cut was a good version of Superman. And one that now, if we can continue from this point, now, you know, he's died, he's come back from the dead, he's revitalized, he has a new lease on life, a new focus, a new renewed desire to be Earth's greatest protector. You know, you hand him off from the 2017 Justice League to another director, you let Christopher McQuarrie grab him, and now go do Man of Tomorrow, I think that would have done unbelievable business in 2019 and 2020. You know, as long as they tried to ride the Aquaman wave. Ah, yeah, you see what I did there? The wave of Aquaman. But if they could have ridden that wave somehow, I think there was very much an opportunity there to continue the Henry Cavill solo Superman franchise. But instead, since Justice League did 93 million, that's when they suddenly said, well, now we're not sure we want to do any of this anymore. And that's where it really comes in unbelievably handy. This is a point I've made before, and it's a point I actually stole from Rick Shue from Superman on Film. He was the first one to point this out, which was that had Aquaman not already filmed, there's no way they would have made that movie after Justice League in 2017. That based on those box office receipts being so abysmal in November of 2017, there's no way they would have continued and, and done Aquaman after that. But since it had already been filmed and it was in the can, they continue. Well, they, they weren't going to scrap the movie now. We already spent hundreds of millions of dollars to do this thing. We're going we're, we're gonna to see this through and we're going to give James Wan every bit of support we can to make this thing work but i don't think they would have done any of that if the film hadn't filmed yet based on justice league that would have been when you just completely reboot and forget about everything that came before but wonder woman being a hit 
Aquaman then you know, being in the can and becoming a huge hit, that suddenly created this space now where the people at DC on film are like, okay, so we're not going to do a hard reboot and just say none of the previous stuff happened. But we want to be able to keep the things that people did like and ditch all the rest. And that's essentially what The Flash is going to be next year. But that, to me, is the sad thing about Henry Cavill's run as Superman. Because, Jeff, I think it is a problem. I think it is a problem that it's been almost a decade since Man of Steel came out. Because if you're the new owners right now and you're looking to launch a Superman franchise, to make part two to a movie that came out 10 years ago that's going to come out 12 or 13 years after that one came out with a Superman who now, you know, when people look back on his tenure, I don't know what they, I don't know what, you know, Discovery's internal research is going to find when they try to determine if the Henry Cavill Superman is salvageable. I don't know what their market research is going to tell them. But I think the fact that all these years have passed and he's been largely associated with films that were either very polarizing or just ignored. I don't think that bodes well for him. I don't think it bodes well for Discovery coming in and saying we want a man of tomorrow with Christopher McQuarrie and Henry Cavill. I don't think that all this time passing, I really do think has sort of destroyed any chance we've gotten or we could have had at a solo Superman sequel for Henry Cavill. And it's such a shame because I, I know he's got it in him and I know he's got the passion for it, but I just, I, I'm having a hard time seeing it happening, but listen, you know, stranger things have happened specifically, specifically with DC on film, stranger things have happened. So, you know, we'll see Jeff. But to answer your question, um, I think we're more likely to see a new actor at this point. That is my hunch. If you're looking to revitalize the character, you don't take a 10-year-old version from mixed result movies. You start from scratch. So that is, uh, that's my answer to your question there, Jeff. Then, Mr. Hero Cosplay. How you doing, Mr. Hero Cosplay over on the Twitter? He asked, well, he said, in Lois and Clark, Clark says, Superman is what I can do. Clark is who I am. Why does it seem like filmmakers don't do that? But Cavill seems to want to. So, first of all, I love it you brought up that quote from Lois and Clark. It is a great one, just to reiterate. Superman is what I can do. Clark is who I am. And that is one of the interesting things, too. That's one of the great debates. Superman fans debate this to this day. You know, I, I go back to Kill Bill. In Kill Bill, uh, Bill delivers a monologue about Superman. And I'm not going to butcher it and paraphrase it here, but the short version of what he had to say about Superman is that Superman is who he actually is. He is a super-powered alien from another planet who can do all these things. And Clark Kent is just the disguise. Clark Kent is what he does to fit in with us. And it's also, in, 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 in the Kill Bill universe, this is how Quentin Tarantino 
kind of broke it down. You know, basically, Clark is his imitation of frail humans. It's his, you know, he has to put on these clothes and pretend to be a human being who's got all these flaws. And it's kind of how he views us because he himself is Kal-El. He is the demigod. He has to pretend to be less than in order to, you know, try to um, just get by in this world. In order to do his mission as Superman, he's invented this Clark Kent alter ego. So I remember there were debates around that at the time. I remember being on uh, bluetights.net arguing with people about that sort of stuff, about is he Clark or is he Superman? Which is it? And Lois and Clark took the opposite vantage point. Lois and Clark took it that Clark is the real man, but Superman is like the role he plays. It's kind of like the reverse of Batman, right? For Batman, Bruce Wayne is his alter ego, the, the playboy, the, you know, he puts on this outward air of what he, you know, he thinks people expect of him. But Batman is his true essence, in this, you know, depending on how you look at Superman, you know, Superman is the is the persona he puts on to help the world, but Clark is really who he is. And for me, it's always been tough to figure out where I stand in all that. Because I kind of feel like in actuality, there are three versions of Clark. You know, there's three versions of Superman. It, it, it's a triple identity. It's not a double identity. I've always viewed it like the Clark from Smallville, the Clark that grew up with Jonathan and Martha, who to me is a.k.a. Kal-El, just the pure person who grew up in Smallville. There, there, that is one part of his persona, just Clark, Kal-El. Then there's the Clark Kent that he invents when he goes to Metropolis and create an alter ego that can fit in with humanity. And then there's Superman, who he is when he's at his, you know, using, he's not hiding who he is. It's when he gets to go out there and be the hero and be the inspiration and be that symbol of hope that, you know, his, the Fortress of Solitude and Jor-El and Jonathan and Martha raising him right. They've inspired him to want to go out there and be Superman for the Earth, for the people of Earth, and to do his Kryptonian parents proud. But at his core, he's that farm boy. At his core, he's that boy who grew up in Smallville, always feeling a little bit different. And trying to figure out what is this thing about me? Why am I different? And where do I come from? And what are these abilities? And why are my parents so scared of me showing people what I can do? You know, to me, that's Clark. And then Clark Kent is the persona. And Superman is the fulfillment of his promise. But at his heart, the purest version, the, the purest form of who this character is is the one that talks to Martha Kent on the farm. That's the real Clark. You got me? So that's always kind of been how I view the character. But now to go back to your question, you know, 
why does it seem like filmmakers don't do that, but Cavill seems to want to? Um, look, I can't answer for the stories that Cavill wants to tell. Uh, we do get that sense, and we do know that he has a deep love for this character, and he has some very specific comic book arcs that he would love to adapt for the screen. So I would love to just one day find out like exactly who and what he thinks Superman is, and who is the real man. Is he Clark, or is he Superman? I'd love to fully know what who Henry thinks he is. But in terms of what filmmakers think of him. Look, you know, Zack Snyder, what did he think Superman was? I tend to think he only had the two versions. He didn't really have, he didn't have three. To me, he was the Clark Kent from the farm was very, wasn't really different from the Clark Kent in Metropolis at the Daily Planet. So there was really just two versions. There was Clark and there was Superman. And in the Snyderverse, it seems like Clark was the more authentic character. Clark was who he really was. But Superman was who he felt he needed to be. Especially because he was put in that position in Man of Steel, right? It, it was kind of thrust upon him for him to kind of have to come out of the shadows and be that protector. So, in terms of what filmmakers see in there, what they don't. I'm not here to cast aspersions. I can see any version of this working. I would love to see a great take where Superman is really who he is and Clark Kent is his way of trying to understand us. But I would also love to see a version that plays up the idea of it being three roles where there's three versions like I broke down that is kind of my personal take on the character. And also, I had no real trouble with how Snyder sort of viewed the role. So, you know, I'm open to all interpretations. I'm not going to judge or say that one version is the right one. Because really, depending on what, you know, what version of Superman speaks to you, you have your own answer to that question. So let me know, who is the real Superman? Is he Clark pretending to be Superman? Or is he Superman pretending to be Clark? I'd love to know what you guys think of that. Um, next question comes from Mark, Mark AJC. Uh, Marco said, uh, I call you Marco cause, uh, I, I believe, no, on Facebook, Mark, no, I think you are just Mark. Sorry. That was just a tangent. I just had a brain fart. All right. Mark said, any rumors or news concerning word from Mr. Cavill or from his management team, specifically Miss Danny Garcia? I remember all those cryptic tweets along with them stating the cape is still in Cavill's closet. At this point, that cape is stored in mothballs. Uh, yeah, well, Mark, you're not wrong. Um, the, the, the cape in the closet is absolutely collecting dust at this point. No, there is no news. There is nothing to report on that end. There's been no new movement. Those comments still seem to be somewhat loosely related to rumors of Henry Cavill being spotted near the sets, near the locations where both The Flash and Black Adam were filmed. Or was it Shazam? 
I just know that Cavill was apparently seen near two sets for two different upcoming DC films with his hair dyed black, which he only does as Superman. And I know Nick Farina is going to be really glad that I brought up this rumor. But, uh, you know, Danny Garcia's tweets and all of that stuff, you know, it all seemed to kind of coincide at around the time that Flash was filming and Black Adam was happening, and Shazam 2 was happening, and it was starting to seem like maybe Henry's going to pop up in those films, which, again, lines up with my theory. I think there's a very real possibility that Henry's going to be Superman in the Black Adam Shazam-verse, and that he's going to be acknowledged as Superman somehow in this Flash movie, unless they do completely retcon him out to make space for a new Clark. But, um, you know, Mark, just to answer your question, no, there's no new news there. We still just have to see if what she was ultimately referring to, the reason that she was under NDAs and couldn't and had to be so cryptic was because he filmed some super secret stuff that we cannot know about yet because it's a massive spoiler. Maybe that's me being an optimist, but that is the latest on that. My boy Joey Misfit sent in a question. Joey, he said, hey, Mario, humor me. Let's say the new bosses at Warner Brothers Discovery burn down the DCEU and start from scratch. What's the character or characters you'd start anew with? For me, it's Green Arrow in a year two situation or Justice League of America, Justice Society of America, JSA, to start a new shared universe thing. Those are interesting ideas. Uh, listen, I was talking about year two stories last week, right? And I was talking about, you know, Green Arrows, that Supermax movie that was going to happen. So, you know, we're on a similar wave wavelength there. Sorry. Um, we're on a similar wavelength there. But if I were to just, if we were going to start over again, right? And this hypothetical that you're laying at my feet, where David Zaslav does all his internal market research and decides, let's just burn this thing to the ground, move all existing projects to HBO Max, and we're going to relaunch a DC on film universe starting at step one again. Uh, I was thinking about this. And believe it or not, I think I would use Green Lantern as our way into that universe. You know, I would play on this idea of the Green Lanterns and how they, you know, the Lanterns have their different quadrants that they protect. And that the Lantern who is guarding Earth, we start with his story. And something happens in his story and in his franchise. Maybe you're not, you know, the, the first story should be just about him and something that he has, some threat that Earth is facing that Green Lantern has to deal with. But then in the sequel, it would be interesting for him to realize and for him to find out and for him to report to the Green Lantern Corps that unlike all the other planets, which need the Green Lantern Corps there to like protect them, Earth, there are other demigods on Earth slowly starting to rise up ever since Green Lantern did what he did in that first movie. Other metahumans have started to rise. 
and almost sort of inspired by what Green Lantern did, or perhaps because of whatever the threat that came to Earth, it started creating metahumans or something like that. But I don't know. I think it would be interesting to kind of start with that cosmic angle of here is a Green Lantern who's watching over Earth. Here is an epic story of the, of the earthbound Green Lantern. Maybe it is a Hal Jordan story, but you, you go back a few decades so that we have some place to build up and bring us to the present day. But you have like the Hal Jordan Green Lantern. And then from within his series is where we start to sort of branch off as, as he, the protector of Earth, starts realizing, hmm, I'm not the only protector. There are other people in the shadows, and that's what makes Earth such a unique place. There are all of these different heroes here trying to protect this Earth, and they've been, be they, they've, they've been getting bolder, and they've been coming out of the shadows ever since I revealed myself. And, you know, it could just be, to me, that's kind of my take. I would, I, if I had to start over again and pick one character, I would start with Green Lantern. All right, so that's my uh, that's my answer to your question there, Joey. Um, and now, last but certainly not least, Mike Fmer. I don't know how to say your name, Mike, but Mike underscore F M E R. Mike Fmer on uh, on the Twitter asked me this. He said, "What would you like the upcoming Wonder Woman game to be like? A traditional ACT like God of War?" Or more exploration in an open world like the upcoming Hogwarts Legacy game. Hope you watch the trailer for that, he put in parentheses. Uh, to, let me answer that one first. Yes, I've seen the trailer for Hogwarts Legacy, and I am so ready. I am so hooked. I need that game. You know, in general, I love open world exploration games. I love when I get to just drop into an immersive world where now, you know, I get to play the story in my way and do all the different side missions and build up certain things and explore things at my own pace. I'm all about just booting into open worlds. All, almost, almost all the games that I play are open world. So, uh, yes, this Hogwarts Legacy bit, you have the open world conceit and it's set in the magical wizarding world of Harry Potter. I am so sold. I am so ready for that. So, yes, I've seen the trailer. But in terms of Wonder Woman, uh, you know, it's interesting. I Brett, it's a good thing Brett's not here this week. He would yell at me. I somehow didn't know about this. So, Mike, you put this game on my radar. I didn't realize that they had announced with a teaser trailer already a Wonder Woman game at the end of 2021. I don't... I honestly... I don't know how that wasn't on my radar. It's a little crazy to me. But, yes, yeah, so there's a Wonder Woman game coming, and what would I like it to be like? Uh, you, you mentioned, like, you know, an ACT-like God of War or more exploration in an open world. So, see, in my ideal Wonder Woman game, we would have several eras to explore. I would really want to play with this idea of the ageless Amazonian warrior who's been around for centuries doing things, whether it be, you know, like ancient wars and stuff that's set like in Themyscira or something that feels kind of grandiose like that. 
But then you also have a mission during, you know, uh, World War One, a mission in World War Two, a mission in, you know, you, you can go to all kinds of different eras where Wonder Woman may have factored in. And, you know, you make a story about it. You, you could have it set where it's like the present day and she's been captured by a big bad in a way that, you know, they can actually capture her. And maybe there's a situation where in the story now she's retreating into her memories, remembering certain lessons or things that might help her get out of this situation. And as we do that, we're flashing back to different eras of Wonder Woman with different costumes, with different, you know, feels, things, you know, certain things can feel like a city, certain things can feel like an open battlefield and very God of War-y. You know, you're exploring and whatever. But also within that, you could have varied missions where, yes, there's missions where you're Wonder Woman. And the big thing is the fighting and all that. But there could be missions as Diana Prince that are a little more like espionage-like, where it's more about sneaking around and not making a new, you know, not calling attention to yourself and trying to just, you know, maybe just find some important information or solve a puzzle or get to the bottom of a mystery, but not doing it in, you know, Wonder Woman mode, more just discreet for whatever reason, for whatever the storyline reason is, she would have to keep a lower profile. And that way you have missions that sort of vary, you know? And, and listen, with Wonder Woman, you could have all kinds of stuff. You could have horse combat and the older stuff. You could have the flying airplane. You could have a mission that has to do with flight and stuff like that. You know, she's such a fun character that can be dropped into so many unique situations. And especially since they are basing it off the Gal Gadot Wonder Woman. They're basing it. It's the same costume. And the voice acting. and It, it, it all sounds like they're trying to elicit the Gal Gadot Wonder Woman. And this version of Wonder Woman is an ageless warrior who we've established in the DCEU has been around for basically hundreds of years. And there's even that, that there was that deleted picture, right, where she's holding a guy's head in her hands because she decapitated someone in some crazy conflict in the 1800s. You could have that be a level in the game. You know, that I feel like Wonder Woman is a unique character. I would not want to just drop her into one very sort of linear, very sort of straightforward uh, setting and have her just do one kind of thing over and over again. I'd want to I'd drop her into all kinds of different situations. Maybe there's a mission where she's fighting another sort of big god type thing. But then there's a mission where she's fighting Cheetah in the 1980s. You know, if you want to evoke the 80s, you know, like, let's mix it up. Wonder Woman has a very interesting rogue gallery. This Wonder Woman in particular has apparently seen some shit and has been around, to, has been a force in all kinds of different eras of human history. So let's weave a story that jumps around from thing to thing and gives us different missions depending on whether or not you're Wonder Woman, whether or not you're on horse, whether or not you're in an airplane, or whether or not you're Diana trying to uncover some mystery while Bruce Wayne is on your on your track. I mean, you could literally revisit Batman versus Superman. Since we are doing that version of Wonder Woman for the game, you could you know, take that cat and mouse element from BVS and add to it. You know, so, th so that's that's my answer to your question, Mike Fmer.
<laughs> and um, folks, that about does it for episode 146 of the Fanboy Podcast. And since Brett couldn't be here, I am going to be ending this week's episode with the full version of his Superman theme. Because when I first started thinking about launching Superman on film, naturally, I went to my composer friend, Brett, and I said, I need you to write our Superman theme. I don't want to have to play Hans Zimmer. I don't want to have to play John Williams. I don't want to have to worry about any of that. I want us to have our own Superman theme. So as a special treat, uh, since I've got Brett on the mind, my missing co-host who's currently uh, enjoying some fun in the sun in the Bahamas, you can enjoy his Superman theme. And until next week, life is chaos. Be kind. Adios. <laughs>